Hello, friends. I hope you're keeping your sanity out there. What are you doing to keep your sanity? Do you just go about your life and pretend like there isn't great social unrest across this country and a killer pandemic going on? What do you do? I want to know what you do. Hit me up on social media with what you've been doing. For me, I stay home. I've been working on my house, working on myself. I'm in the best uh, physical shape probably as I've been since I was 18 years old. I'm the lightest, especially since I've been uh, 18 years old. I do home projects. Actually, today I fixed a leaky pipe that ran out to the outdoor faucet, you know, uh, and that cooks up to your hose. Yeah, I fixed a leaky one of those today. I felt pretty proud. I'm an IT guy. I'm a technology guy. I'm not a home improvement guy, but I've been working on the home improvements while this pandemic has been going on because you spend a lot of time in your house. And if you don't like where you're at, then you can change it. Do some home improvements. And so I love my house, so I just want to make it look better. And it's gotten a lot of neglect because uh, in the past 10 years I've lived here, I've definitely gone to more concerts and put other things uh, in front of the house. And now I'm trying to make up for lost time. So I've been working on my house a lot. I do this show. I started this podcast uh, as a distraction from the pandemic. And it's been fun. And I've been able to catch up with a lot of people around the United States, my friends. I even caught up with a guy that lives in Hawaii right now. That was pretty cool. I know we all have to do things like go to the grocery store, uh, go to the dentist, go to your get your eyes checked, go to the doctor. Uh, I'll do those things, but I'm not going to a restaurant to eat inside anytime soon and or drink anytime soon. Uh, I'll eat or drink outside, so I guess when the winter's coming, I'm not going to be doing any of that. I'll be at home, chilling out, waiting for that uh, vaccine to hit. I'll probably take the vaccine uh, that will come out in January. I don't I don't believe in this one that's about to come out in November. Uh, I don't think there's hard science behind it. I think it's definitely politically motivated. So be careful of that vaccine. But that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. Do research. Demand evidence. That's what I say. Always. If it comes out of my mouth, yeah, you got to do that too. Demand evidence. Look for research and such. But I really don't believe uh, this alleged vaccine that's supposed to hit in early November is going to work. And people may get sick from it. So we should hold off believe in the process. All the experts say that a a good, plausible vaccine won't be out till the beginning of the year as for it goes through all the trials. I want, you know, high 90s effectiveness on it, not 70%, not 60%. I want the A student, all right? I don't want a me student uh, virus, a C student, you know? I want want the the A virus, not the virus, but the um, vaccine. That's what I want. I want the A plus vaccine, not some lesser version. I can wait it out. I can wait it out. I'll wear my mask, still wash my hands, do all that stuff. I can wait this out. Now, as far as all the the social unrest that's going on, uh, it's a whole lot different here in Wyoming because, well, we're just different shades of white. And we don't have a lot of big population. Yes, there is different races here. They just don't stand out as much. And, they, and there's just not big populations as much uh, all over the place. It's mostly different shades of white folk. Um, I think there's a big Hispanic population. Not a very big African-American population at all. A big Native American population, for sure. Uh, but definitely, definitely white folks. So we uh, don't quite get it. 
That's what I'll say. We don't quite get it. Rural Wyoming doesn't understand what it's like, you know, to be pulled over and fear for your life. Uh, they probably get pulled over by their cousin or something. And, you know, it's so it's hard for them to understand how black people feel in this country right now. And, you know, open up social media or get a video and it's one of your friends, cousin, relatives, or just another black person that's being shot for no reason, really. Maybe walking away from a cop or getting their driver's license. But it just doesn't make sense. And their lives matter. And, and a lot of the white folk in Wyoming don't understand. And I hate white explaining this, why Black Lives Matter means something instead of saying all lives matter. Uh, my buddy, Ray, who we talk about in this podcast, gave me this example. And it's, say you got a cul-de-sac of houses and they represent all the races. All right. And yes, all those houses matter when it comes to police, fire and city, you know, help. But right now, one particular house, it's on fire. It's being shot at. It's being uh, being shut down. That house is the Black Lives. That That is the house. So that house is on fire. You call the fire department. You want them to go address that house. Not your house. Your house is fine. But yes, your house matters to the fire department and it matters to you. But we need that house to not be on fire anymore. We need to take care of that house, our cold sack sack of America. We need to take care of that house because, well, if that house burns to the ground, it might start another fire at another house. It might be your house. It might be my house, but we need to protect black lives. And that's what that means when black lives matter. Yes, of course, all lives do matter. But right now, black lives are in peril. As we see in videos, we see all the time in protests, it's just black lives are being destroyed, being put in jail unjustly. It's just crazy. And we need some social change. And I'm here for you. I'm an ally for you. I'm, you know, talk about it on my radio shows. I'll talk about it on this podcast. And I know if you tune to this podcast to listen to Nick, um, you're, we're going to get to that. And if you totally disagree with me, that's fine. Uh, these are just my opinions and such. Uh, They don't represent Nick's opinions. Uh, He can talk about how he feels in his own way, in his own podcast. But for now, let's just get to that interview, all right? Today's guest is Nick Haugen, or as I gave him a nickname of Old Philly Croner. It's a very inside joke. A few people will laugh at it right now. Now, Nick was one of the first, is the first guest I've had from when I worked at Camp Echo in the late 90s, he actually got there a few years after I'd started there. I was division leader. He was a counselor. He was one of my counselors. You'll hear the story in the podcast. And I hope to have many more guests from that part of my life, the Camp Echo years, on this show. Maybe individually, maybe a panel show with a couple different Camp Echo people. You know, we can talk about uh, what happened at camp, maybe some former campers of ours can come on and talk to me, uh, talk to counselors and such. I'm still friends with a, quite a bit of the people that went to Camp Echo or that were part of a Camp Echo. And I had a blast working there. And you'll hear the story about my first year there. Uh, probably shouldn't have gone back after that. Uh, I didn't have necessarily the best kids in the world. But I got to meet a lot of great people, including Nick. So let's get to the interview.
I was born in a little town in rural Minnesota called Appleton, Minnesota, population 1600. I was raised in a couple of small towns uh, near South Dakota. One was uh, Dawson, which was even smaller. It was about 1,200 people. And then we moved to a, a big city of, called Benson, which was a population 3,300 people. Uh, Benson was famous uh, because it had the only two stoplights in the county. So that we had that going for us. So I'm, I'm a small town kid. So did your parents meet in the town you were born in or how, how they get there? How they meet, how they create the Nick. Oh shit. <laughs> so my mom, so my mom, uh, God, met him in Dawson. He was working at a, uh, a car dealership with his dad. So his dad owned like a, a gas station, maintenance shop you know and he worked there and then he went to Votech met my mom I was already around my mom my, my he's technically my stepdad so okay. I don't my, my biological father is out there somewhere hi um uh so yeah they met when I was about four okay three and a half four yeah so I, I mean I was actually like in the wedding the ring bear and all that all that craziness oh, yeah. um but yeah, so there it was, you know, ben, I think it was Dawson. I'm pretty sure it was Dawson. And then he's what brought us to, uh, you know, Benton. We got a promotion and we got to go live in this big town. <laughs> 3,200 people. I've never lived in a place smaller than Laramie. And I grew up in a suburb of Portland and then a little bit. Yeah. Newer. But yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Oh, I thought man. everybody knew I, my business here in Laramie when I first moved away. Um, I can't imagine small towns like that. Well, how, how big is Laramie? 30,000. It's big. Yeah, 30. I mean, so like, like even when I was in college, my college town was like 34 or something. And, and I thought that was like crazy. Like, oh my oh, God. That. I, didn't go, I didn't go to the University of Minnesota because I was scared to go to Minneapolis. Like, I was like, ah, oh, man, I was like, that's way too big for me. I'm gonna, I'll go to the, the next biggest school, St. Cloud sure. State, because like, it's like, oh, it's a little closer and like, it's not quite so big. I was like weirded out when I, when I left, you know, like, yeah. It's, so are you, so in your family, are you the only child? Do you have siblings? Where do you fit in the mix? So my mom and my dad, or I mean, technically my sure, stepdad, yeah. I, I'm the oldest and I have a two younger brothers. Uh, Justin is the next oldest and he is five years younger than me. And then Michael is the youngest and he's nine years younger than me. Wow. That's kind of, I have an 11 year younger sister to me. So you also part parent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's as like a you're kid, almost like an uncle. Yeah. Yeah. And you break a lot of ground for them, but I also have an older sibling, but I'm the only boy. So like, Oh, I you have that only, the only thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was a prodigal son for like yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, a favorite sometimes because I don't think like my sisters do, which yeah. is interesting, but I get in my own shit. That's how, you know, happens. Uh, yeah. So growing up, were you in like activities? Were you playing a lot of sports? Were you out hunting, fishing? It seems uh, Minnesota, so, thousand lakes, yeah. what, 10,000 lakes. You think, <laughs> I mean, funny. So I, this is kind of going in the future a little bit, but uh -huh. I ended up moving to South Florida to teach. Right. And so one of the stories I told my students down there, 
was that I, they're like, why'd you move down here, right? And I was like, well, you know, they have a funny thing in Minnesota. It's called, you know, the state of hockey, and, and they're very proud of that. And I couldn't skate. And so there's, there's a rule that if you become of age, which is 18, and you can't skate, they just evict you. You're not allowed to stay. You can't procreate. You can't, you can't, you know, weaken the gene pool of the skaters in Minnesota. And all of my, like, ninth grade, eighth, ninth grade students in Florida were like, what? <laughs> oh my god i was like yeah that's how it is like literally for like my my whole time down there that's what everyone thought like oh he got kicked up because he couldn't skate like they're crazy up there about, about hockey uh so anyway but for real though i i played basketball and football i mean you know i i moved i moved to benson i was this big tall kid they called you know joel green giant oh. i wasn't i wasn't real uh really into sports until about fourth grade because like you know my parents were working all the time and I didn't really have anyone to do stuff with. Right. And so I just kind of just submerged myself in that. That's how I got all my friends and in this town that I didn't know anyone in, you know? So that yeah. was my, my parents dumped me off into sports cause it was a break is a sweet release and they were working all the time too. So I played a lot of, you know, youth league soccer. Uh, I remember I quit soccer to watch cartoons. That was in <laughs> sixth grade. Oh, I could wrestle then. So I, be, I started wrestling then. So I never achieved my goal of, of watching cartoons because I'd get so mad during soccer season. We would have to go play soccer and it'd bust up the cartoon morning. I'd be like, oh, this oh, is yeah. stupid. Saturdays were sacred. Like, that was like an awesome time, Saturdays. That was like, unlike now, these kids can watch whatever they want whenever sure, they want. Yeah. Like, we had one day. Yeah. I, I remember there being some cartoons on after school a little bit. But mostly Saturday, my mom was like, I couldn't get you out of your bed for the school during the week. But Saturday morning, you were up at like five, ready to roll, got some cereal. And then, yep. and then she's like, then you're out the door by like, and I always said, when the Smurfs came on, I was done. That was my, that was my gut. That was my, I don't really want to watch cartoons anymore. But yep. uh, soccer cut into that. And so I was like, and I was good at it. I was good at soccer, but I just wanted to watch cartoons, but wrestled and got pinned all the time. I sucked at that sport. Glad I didn't continue it very long. Uh, so did you, you obviously must've hit a growth spurt at some time if you were called the Jolly Green Giant. Oh, I was, you know, a head taller than everybody from the time I remember. I mean, until I got to ninth grade. So like coming up in Benson, you know, like basically if you're, if you can walk and chew gum at the same time, they expect you to be in every activity, right? Cause there's like 85 people in my class, oh, yeah. you know? So there's not many people. If you had any sort of athletic ability at all, you had to play every sport. And so like, you know, fourth grade, I was tall, fifth grade, I was tall, sixth grade. I mean, honestly, sixth grade, I was like six feet tall. Wow. So now I'm six two now. So like I obviously <laughs> I stopped. So every, everybody was like, like the coach was like, Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. I got to ninth grade, and, and I, I, that was the year I stopped growing, essentially. And everyone's like, what the hell? Like, you know, like, I'm like, I, whatever. I don't know. You know? I, everyone was like, you're going to be tall. You're going to be tall. My uncles are all tall. You're going to be tall. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready to be tall. 5'11". I don't even hit my 5'11". Even recruiters for football would look at me when they out of pads, and they'd be like, I thought you were taller. And I was like, it ain't happening. I, I didn't feel one of those <laughs> – College yeah. growth spurts. I, I knew it was, yeah. I was about the same height yeah. as my dad. And I was like, it's not going to happen. I'll, I'll outlift, you know, but I won't 
had the leverage and they were like, you'll play next to this guy. And I was like, oh my God, that dude's a giant. 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 And it's time to hang it up. It was fun playing while I did. Um, I'm glad I didn't play college because those guys, I live with college football players and their time then was taken care of all the time. And now even more, I see them even more. They try to lock you down all the time. And I can't imagine, but also you also get a good education on it because they get on top of you. You have study tables and all that stuff. So um, that's a different college athlete. I'm glad I didn't have to go through that. I'm glad I just went through college as a I don't know, party animal or something. Uh, life changed when I hit college. So in Benson, okay, you stayed in Benson through high school. Is that where you graduated high school? Yep, graduated high school there. So you're like, all right, I'm going to go to a state. Were you always wanted to go to college? Or uh, nah, like so. My I was the first person in my family to, to attend college on my mom's side. My my dad had a brother, two brothers that graduated actually from Saint Cloud State, who were the only two people I knew that that went to college. Oh, wow. One of them um, was a teacher, then he became a principal, which is why I ended up becoming a teacher. Huh. And the other one went to school to be an archaeologist and ended up working in like business at this like he was like a. I don't know, it's like a, a local retail chain, kind of like a, I don't know, like a, a low-end sort of uh, Macy's or something, but like only right. like regionally for, for like Minnesota. It was, it was called uh, Herberger's. I don't know, if, I don't think it's probably by you guys. So anyway, he worked there for, man, until he was like 50, then, then they downsized and he wouldn't work on his own. But anyway, so they were my only two people that I knew that had college in them at all. So that's kind of how I went that way. Um. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. I mean, it's just really interesting how much you're influenced by who you see, right? Because, I mean, and my parents, they, they, I don't remember ever getting, like, chastised for bad grades. I don't remember anyone ever saying, hey, do better. I was always, like, a C-plus student, like, you know, just enough to, like, make sure I could play sports. And yeah. I didn't really, like, I, ne- I never did homework. I never brought anything home because, like, you know, why? And so now as a teacher, I'm just kind of like, oh, I would be the sort of guy that I would just, like when I pull my hair out for because like here's this guy who's just coasting who didn't you know yeah. do anything above what he was you know the bare min bare min minimum uh so yeah my parents didn't really didn't really worry about that at all I mean it's kind of kind of bizarre my mom and dad met out of college my dad's a teacher my, my stepmom's a teacher my dad moved us to Wyoming to work at the university I was going to college like, it was not, like, I, yeah. I think about oh, when yeah. I stayed in Oregon, maybe a little, little lesser. I probably want to go on to university right away at Wyoming. But uh, junior college, however, whatever it was going to be, but I was going. And they were both, like, we were saved for it, we are going to pay for it. They paid, they split time because they were divorced. So they each paid a semester. So, um, yeah, it was, like, you're going. And so that's why I always have yeah. to ask people. Like, and a lot of them don't have those influences. Like you were probably, you know, just two away from not going, working in a local shop or something. Well, I tell you what, the reason why is because I didn't want to work for a living. I I don't remember what it was. I saw something, I heard someone talk and it was essentially like, you you can go to college or you can like go work for a living where I lived. Like it would be in some crappy place that you would never want to work at. Right. And the alternative was to go to this place that's a little bit scary because there's a lot of people that live there. But overall, it's school, right? Like, okay, whatever, it's school. 
uh, yes, I mean, I, honestly, that, that was like, I knew my uncles and I also had this choice, like go work or go to this place where I could, you know, go to school more. And so the car, it's not so bad. Did you visit other colleges or did you always know where you wanted to go? Again, uh, I, I'm not, you know, some of the kids on the East Coast are kind of like they travel around to like seven, eight different colleges and go sure. on like a whole summer tour, right? I, you know, me, I was kind of like, I knew, I knew Minnesota, right? Because obviously yeah. football and whatever, uh, they were crappy forever, but, I knew, you know, I knew of them. I knew of St. Cloud State because of my uncle. And besides other like national schools that I wouldn't have any reason to go to, it was just basically Minnesota or St. Cloud. You know, I wasn't going to go to like, you know, any other obscure, obscure school. <clears throat> All right. Original dream was going to the University of Oregon. That one really happened in. Uh, it's costly. My older sister went there for like a semester, no, a year, and then we moved to Wyoming, and then she came here. Um, uh, and then I was got recruited a lot, and but yet yeah, didn't work out. And Wyoming was always there. And I don't think I was like all about like Wyoming sports, probably till year three or so. And I shot video of every sport like i was on the sidelines doing all this stuff for all those three years and wasn't always like yeah go wyoming i was not i was still an oregon fan i was still i'm still very much a west coast fan and so i was just like yeah sure i go here now i'm super super duper fan got season tickets all that stuff love the folks work at university so i was gonna say um, don't you work for the university yeah 17 years that's that's like your your like your real gig, right? Like that's yeah. just a side thing. That's like your yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that pays the bills, as I would always say. That's the job that pays the bills. And they're all side stuff. This show I do free, all that stuff. Uh radios for free. I I do have a DJ business. I've DJed a bunch of weddings recently and had to this summer, but COVID kind of ruined that stuff. But yeah, I have man. portable equipment and everything. Uh was a long time bar dj and glad i'm not doing that work anymore that's a young man's job oh yeah yeah it's a young man's job and so to be that wedding dj or event dj is is so much better like it's so it's such easy work because i don't deal with drunk college kids and speaking of drunk college kids so you leave this little town you're in st cloud yep and how big is that in comparison we said thirty thousand. uh so st cloud like during uh, the, the the college season or whatever, during the yeah. school, it's about maybe fifty thousand when you include all the you know all the students there. Oh wow! Um, um, about maybe you know, pretty. I mean, generally pretty small compared to like where I've ended up being in my life. But you know, a good sized school for this kid from three thousand people. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, it was. I mean, crazy. I mean, I don't know. Like my, my first year, like, so both of my, I'll back up a little bit, both of my parents were very kind of okay with a lot of stuff that were kind of taboo in high school, right? Like, so I'll tell you, like, my, my high school graduation weekend, my dad's like, you know, hey, I, I got the band ready for you. And I was like, what? He's like, it's all ready for you. And I was like, all right. He's like, let me show you. So he took out the family band, he took the two back seats out, he put in an air mattress. He put uh, a big, like, I'm talking like one of those, like, jumbo wide coolers in the back, filled it up with beer and ice, put a couple bottles of hard alcohol in there for me. And then there was uh, some 
safety equipment oh, yes. underneath, underneath the, uh, the blow-up mattress. And he's like, have a good time. Be safe. And this, this is three this weekend. And I was kind of like, what? And prior to that there, I was kind of like, yeah, have a beer if you want or whatever. I was just never really into that. Yeah. And so when I went to college, like, you know, my buddies were all going crazy. Uh, yeah, so they were pretty, like, do whatever you want to do, whatever. So I went to college my freshman year. I was like, I really didn't drink. My buddies would go out and they'd go to the keggers or whatever and get bombed. And I'd be the guy kind of, like, would, you know, make sure everybody, like, didn't do anything stupid. And then all of a sudden, like, sophomore year, I started to kind of go that way a little bit more. Like, oh, my God, beer's not so bad. And then it obviously ramped up from there. But like my first year, I was like a complete, like, you wouldn't even know it, you know, like compared to where I ended up with my life, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have the time in high school, didn't care to drink. Uh, I thought everybody went out and partied and did sports was making them less of an athlete. And I was like, uh, my only ticket out of this town is probably through sports. So I'm not going to drink. And so I didn't do that. And then that time was not available because I wasn't in sports anymore. And I started drinking and I got a fake ID. That was, I got one while I went to Australia for an all-star football game. And we all got them in Hawaii in a back alley. And I got one, I was from Oregon. I got two of them and word traveled quickly. And that's, I bet. Basically how I like became really good friends with Ray. Now you, you know us. Yeah. Um, yeah. That like we knew each other growing up in like middle school and high school. We played on like interrail basketball teams. I mean, you're the podcast and everything. Uh, we did, but we weren't as tight in high school as we became after I had that fake ID. And it was uh, – <laughs> Uh, alcohol builds friendships. That's what we used to say. We were almost got yep. shirt. Printed. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. But it is interesting because I didn't. My parents weren't like strict at all. My mom would just be like, "Well, you got to get up in the morning," and I was like, "Yeah, you got a valid point there." And because yep. they, my mom and stepdad, basically met at a bar, and ah. so they were they were all about they like drinking and stuff. But I, yeah. so I never really. And also, I was very much like, became a built-in babysitter for my sister. So it was a pushback against drinking because they were like, well, we're going to go out and drink. You watch your little sister. I'm like, what about my social life? But they saved me from a lot of stuff. And it was a pushback uh, against drinking and that lifestyle. And until I went to Australia and really learned how to drink. I was 18. It was crazy. We're drinking in like casino, rugby places. Oh, it was I need to go back to Australia. It's such uh, a long we, trip. Oh, we want to go to Australia so bad, but it is, it is a long, long trip to go. I'd require some like legit sleeping pills or something like prescribed to do that one again. Cause we, you fly, we flew from LA to Osaka, Japan, then mm-hmm. to Sydney, but you probably should go like LA, Hawaii, then Japan or Hawaii to Australia instead how, of how far do you, do you remember how far so la to japan that yeah seems like probably is that like three-fourths of the trip yeah oh yeah and then from and then from japan to hawaii still probably was that still probably five hours or something but i don't know with japan to australia was the next leg and yeah. that was 
Oh, only a couple hours. It was really quick. A but, okay. And same with um, Sydney. When we came back, we went to Sydney to Hawaii for a couple of days and then came back. That's the way it needs to be done. Like, you should go hang on Hawaii for a couple of days then go on Australia. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you got Australia during the summertime. We are kind of there. Our beginning of our winter, our summer, yep. their winter. So we're out there running around in our shorts and stuff like that. And they're like, it's cold. And we're like, we're from Wyoming. It's not yeah, cold yeah. there. Yeah. So you're in college. Did you know what you wanted to major in right away? Um, so I liked coaching. I had coached in high school a little bit. And so I thought I wanted to go into something that was, you know, to do with that. And I also had the uncle who was now at this point a principal. And so he'd been a teacher for, you know, most of my life. And so I thought that, you know, education would be a pretty good avenue. You have, you know, the, the teaching and then you have the coaching. Um, and then I took my first, was it my first semester? I think it was either first or second semester. I had my first education class and I walked in there and it was, uh, you know, 40 people. And I was the only dude. And I was kind of like, hmm, all right. <laughs> it's not so bad. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let me just make this official. And then all of a sudden I was an education major. That's kind of how I got into the high school club, DECA. They came and recruited at the junior high and it was all girls. And I was like, that's a club I want to be in. I have no idea what it's about, marketing. But I was yeah. like, nah, I'm in. Yeah. And showed up and... Yeah, I was one of like the only guys for three years. I was a president my senior year, and my cabinet was all girls. It's cool. It's pretty cool. Yep. So, I mean, was, yeah, I could see where and and teaching is a very female dominated profession right now, at least. So always forever. Yeah, has uh, by the time by, by my junior and senior year, like I was like one of the first calls anyone ever made for a party, right? Because like I was the guy that knew all the girls, right? Oh yeah. I was I, I was like the gatekeeper, you know, which sounds really bad to say, but like most of my buddies were like, you know, you know, didn't have any real connections to that part of the yeah. campus, right? So yeah, I was like, oh, we're having the party. You call up your, you know, your friends, because you know, again, my friends was basically my roommate that I met freshman year, and then. The education department, which was you know easily ninety percent women, so it was it was it was fun. The last two years was a lot of fun. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had no idea I wanted to be a broadcasting. Well, I'm right off the bat, broadcasting major. And but my stepdad was a big guy in the broadcasting department, and so like my senior year, he had me pulling cable, working for a TV station during football games. Uh, on the sidelines and then I was rolled tape in the studio on Sunday and he paid me like 50 bucks a weekend because my parents didn't want me working and doing sports and going to school and so that was cool I never really thought about it and then I I remember editing a DECA project a video project later on still wasn't really thinking this was going to be my life and then he's like well you're undeclared your first semester of college why don't you intern for me why not he's like you'll just carry equipment you won't really do anything and after that easy a of work <coughs> excuse me um declared became a broadcasting major thought it was going to be an education major and that's how like coaching and all that i was doing that i liked that but my dad who was the teacher talked me out of it like mm -hmm. basically i was like you're not gonna be a teacher all this stuff 
but like my stepdom was like, you'll be a great teacher. A lot of people thought I would, but went into broadcast. Pill bottles from Bobby. She wants them. What? Pill bottles that she always takes for pills. Okay, yeah, I'll back. Okay, pause. Okay, go ahead. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, so if my kid ever came to me and said, hey, I want to be a teacher, I would like, uh, I'd say it's uh, kicking the balls before you do that. Like, it's just like, you know, there's, there's a lot of other things you can do with your life that, uh, that you can feel good about, but also, you know, pay you a lot more, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, I think the reason why there, there's a, there's a, a, a deficit of teachers right now. That's, that's for sure. It's one of those life rewarding jobs, not necessarily in it for the money. We're in it for the process of educating people. And not a lot of people enjoy that or understand that feeling. I mean, the problem is, is like you make these sort of decisions in your life when you're young and dumb. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like when you're 22 years old, you don't, you haven't thought that far ahead to be like, yo, I'm going to be like, you know, 45 or 50 someday and I'm still going to be making like a lot less than some of these schmoes that are way less educated than me. And then you have everybody that wants to judge you and critique what you're doing and they don't really know what the heck they're talking about. So it's, you know, it's one of those jobs where everybody thinks they know something, but they don't really know a lot. If that makes sense. It's, it's, sure. it's you know, and when you're 20, you know, like again, for me, my initial reaction to being in class was like, all right, look at all blaze around. So I wasn't making a, uh, a rational decision, let's put it that way. Right. Uh, so anyway, you, you know, that's, you know, that's why you have uh, people around you that ho have hopefully been around and have life experience. Right. Cause I mean, the one thing my dad ever said to me was, and he's not a very like education minded person. He's like, man, you're going to do all this and you're going to become a teacher. He's like, man. And, and I thought he was just being like, you know, just sarcastic or snide or whatever. And you know, later on, I was like, man, he was right. Cause I mean, I could have gone to school and done all kinds of things, majored in all kinds of things. Not that, I mean, again, my life, I'm not, I've had, I have a great life, but it would have been, you know, my job would have been different, you know? And that's the one thing that I was like, yeah, all right, you kind of make sense there, old man. Because most of the time I kind of took what he said, it's like, you know, you don't know how this world works, right? This this particular part of the world you're yeah. not familiar with. Um, but yeah, my kid won't be a teacher, that's for sure. I, I'll tell you, I didn't get a broadcasting degree working IT, and that's what I do. Um, fix that, I fix equipment and make sure everything, classrooms work and stuff. Um, but my video background prepared me for the, a lot of that, uh, just yeah. equipment wise and understanding process and stuff like that. But it's, it was weird. Cause yeah, like when I was first starting, now I'm working at TV stations and that sucked. I, I'd rather do sports. That's what I was good at. And then, but when you're beat down by real news, huh, it's ugly world out there. And mm -hmm. You, I luckily made a decision at that time period not to further that career. I knew I could probably go back and work at a TV station, probably at any point. Uh, but I was like, uh, no. And luckily, I got into education, but at a different level, college. And support, I support people getting, educating people and paying money to go to school and stuff. And so it's a different level. And... But I feel good about working in education. I don't make a ton of money. I know that. Yeah. But um, I also get to touch a lot of great equipment. 
Um, mm-hmm. I work at, and my, it's my college. So I see my favorite sports teams a lot. So there's mm-hmm. payoffs and the town's nice and everything. But yeah, if you had told 20 year old me that I'd be sitting here in 45, 46, I would be like, whatever, dude. No way. Uh, I thought actually when I moved back to Laramie, I was going to be just here for a couple of years onto the West Coast, back to Oregon, but mm-hmm. it rains too much there. And I got used to sun here. <laughs> and, <laughs> the Wyoming and, sun, yeah. yeah. It may be negative. All, all, I, but. all I remember about Wyoming is trying to play ball there one time and like run up and down the court like one, maybe two times to be like, dude, like I freaking dropped a lung back there. Like, you know, oh, yeah. Like, you know, like, Flatland, I like Flatland, and man, the elevation there is no joke. Like seriously, my parents when we first moved here we had a two-story house. We never had one of those growing up in Oregon. I ran from my bedroom, which was downstairs, upstairs, and nearly passed out. And they just busted up laughing. Yeah. Oh yeah, we forgot to tell you about the air. You get it's going to yeah. take you a little bit, and it would. I would go back to Oregon every summer for a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so, stay with my dad, come back and have to reacclimate every time. And there was one, my summer for my senior year, I was like, I got to get back earlier because it would just kick my ass for football practice. Oh yeah. So I'd have to come I back. I came back earlier to get in like shape and make sure I was ready for practice. I was like, it's my senior year and sprint around. Sure well, I mean, it. isn't there a thing like if you train up there in elevation, doesn't your body produce more something so you have more red blood cells or something so that you you can get more oxygen in your muscles or something? I forget what it's called, but like there's like a legit like thing that happens to you when you stay there. Yeah, it's not just like getting your wind. The wind thing is not even the thing. It's like just the the mechanism to go from you know lungs to muscles. You know, they it's have crazy. a they have a high altitude training center here at the university that Olympians and everybody come just to get that kind of training. And you see those yeah. people and uh, everybody's wearing masks these days, but yep. there's training masks that, that are, yep. that are supposed to simulate what we, I live at. It's pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. It, all, it makes you an all-star drinker, by the way, at, at basically oh, I bet. at sea oh, level. I bet. Like yeah. when oh. uh, I first worked at Camp Echo, um, it Ray, Rick and I came in and Ray and I worked in bars and Rick was our friend. So basically he had the tolerance of working in a bar and we show up at camp our first year and we're got drinking gods off campus because we can do it and then bounce back the next day and, and be great counselors. Yeah. It was just like, Oh, that's just like normal. Like what we got to do to survive in Laramie. So yeah, it was, some people were scared by it. It was just like, well, let me explain why this happens. I try to tell people, I was like, this is why it's happening. It's expensive, legitimately expensive because you have to drink so much at sea level to make up for the freaking alcoholic you are at uh, 7,200 feet. And so sometimes I would just be like, I'm not bothering. Like I was like, I can't I don't know if I'm going to get drunk tonight. I can't drink. You know, like it's yeah. costly. That's why we drank a lot of Mad Dog. Yeah, it was a cheap ass buzz because it oh, took man, work man. to yeah to work to get drunk out there. So I spoke to Camp Echo. How did you get hooked up with Camp Echo? Oh man, so I was 
I think I was a sophomore. And I, so I'm being, I'm from a small town, right? And I didn't, have, I didn't, I didn't want any reason to have to go back there during the summers, right? Because I mean, I mean, from the time I left to go to college to the time I graduated college, I never spent more than like two weeks there. And that was like over Christmas, right? Because right. I just, it, I didn't really want to go back. I didn't have any inclination to spend my time there. So I was just like Googling jobs. It must have been like around maybe like, you know, spring break time or something. I was Googling like summer jobs. Google. And there was a, ban- a banner that came up. I mean, it was Google or Yahoo or yeah. whatever. It was probably back in the time it was maybe Yahoo or, you yeah. know. All right. And, and it was like, hey, summer jobs. And I clicked the banner and a bunch of camp jobs came up. And it's funny because, like, where I come from, basically everybody's, you know, Catholic, Lutheran. And then we had, in my town, there was, like, one Jehovah Witness kid. And he was a kid who, like, when we had our Christmas parties, our birthday parties in school, had to, like, go out on the outside table and wouldn't participate. And, you know, schools weren't very, I don't want to say inclusive. I guess that might be the word, but they weren't, they never really explained to us why Johnny had to go out there and did that on us. We just kind of did our thing and whatever. So I never really knew even what Jehovah's Witness was. And then the only time I ever heard about uh, Jewish people was like, you know, when we had our lesson in school, like on the Holocaust. Oh, yeah. I mean, you hear about that, and I mean, so I never knew a Jewish person, Jewish person, uh, growing up where I'm from, and so it's funny because I get this banner, and you get these summer camp jobs, and I, you know, the small town kid, I see all these jobs, like you know, summer camp coach, summer camp coach, and I just click on them, and I just applied to a bunch of them, and I had no idea. Like you, know, you look into it, it's like Jewish, and I saw the word Jewish, and I didn't really. That didn't really seem like a word that was really that important to me. It was just like, oh, Jewish camp, like whatever. I didn't put two and two like it was like a like a big thing because I was just kind of so ignorant of the whole the whole thing. And then I applied. Chuck called me, Chuck Fisher, who you know, you know, yeah. he called me up and we talked for a little bit. And he's he's like, yeah, I'd like to offer you a job. And I was like, that's awesome. And then uh, and then from that point on, it became, how am I going to get out there? Because at that point. Yeah, at that point, I had never been on an airplane before. <laughs> yeah. I was a sophomore, so I was 19, about 19, and I'd never flown anywhere before. And I was a little spoofed by it, and so I was like, oh, man, I got to fly out to New York. And I was like, well, wait, I can take the Greyhound bus. And that, that's me being stupid again, because now looking back on a Greyhound, is like the worst way to travel, because it was just, oh, my God. Yeah. You ever see, like, uh, yeah, man, I was, because I was being a cheat butt, and I didn't know anything at the time I decided to take the Greyhound and the Greyhound took us like through like the worst parts of Minneapolis down to the worst parts of Milwaukee, down to the worst parts of Chicago to the worst parts of Cleveland to the worst parts of, well, we passed through Pennsylvania, I think. And then that went into uh, a port authority and man, I saw more stuff on that trip than, than <laughs> my 19 year old brain had seen in a long time. Like you see that stuff in the movies, it's like, Oh man, like it wasn't as, like crazy, crazy bad, but it was still like bad nuts. Like what's going on? So yeah, it was it was pretty bizarre. I would definitely suggest to taking an airplane next time. <laughs> <laughs> we drove uh, our first year. We drove a truck, and so and we had Ray's dad was had AAA, so we got they mapped out our way, 
and we wanted to make stop at the uh, NFL Hall of Fame. Canton was on the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Notre Dame was on the way. Uh, yep. So we made some stops. But I remember we're in on the east side of New York somewhere, uh, maybe Manhattan. And we're getting gas. And we're trying to figure out where an on-ramp was. And I was like, I'll just ask these guys. And we're, it's like a Dunkin' Donuts. And I, mm-hmm. and Ray and Rick are like losing their mind. Like, oh my God, we're getting robbed. And I just go, hey dudes, how do we? I was like, it's not like we, our license plate don't already say Wyoming on it. Like, I, I know, and I sound it. I was like, hey guys, how do you get to this place? And they're like, oh, right here. They're totally cool. And, and Ray and Rick were totally like just freaked out. But that's also me coming from like a bigger city when I was growing up. So I was not scared to talk to people. And so, but I was like, what do you guys, I mean, license plate says Wyoming, you know? And you're like, oh, I guess so. And so we drove across, we ended up in Queens. So we were on like Long Island for a couple of days before we hit uh, upstate New York. And that was fun. We had met up with a friend that had worked at a bar with us out here, but we weren't 19. We were 22. Like, um, yeah, yeah I mean, we had planned out the trip. We had cars and all that. And so it was, uh, it, Ray got the job first to camp America. They signed him up with Chuck and I think he got Rick on board too. And I was like, Hey, um, I don't want to work at Taco Bell. That was the last job I just applied for. So maybe would you think they'll have me as a counselor? I don't think I'm any, I have the experience. I didn't at all. Cause I was like, I just coached and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, I did. And I was doing, it was all right. Uh, even though my first year of camp, I had hands down like the super villains of camp echo combined into <laughs> one. Like, I heard, uh, have I heard that story or not? No, that would have been like what? Three years before me, four years. It was 96, I think. So no, I was my first year was ninety nine. So yeah, three years. Three years, wow. Whew. Yeah, I was already. Yeah, that was my first year, and it, they were, they were just a handful that were really bad, just rowdy, and then there were some really good kids that just kind of got lost in the shuffle. And they asked. I remember one kid there. Like I won't mention names or anything, but they were like the next year. They were like, "Would you have him back?" And I was like, "No, no." And he was for a couple more years, but. Yeah. Um, it was, I, I yeah. enjoyed the job a ton. Um, I, on and off camp, it was great. Um, they paid me to go to places, you know, and they, you know, to California. Yeah. Oh yeah. First year. I, I tell you what, so prior to that, I had worked at a summer camp, um, my freshman year and that summer camp, we had to drive all over the state and do these little like day camps. So we were there for a day and we'd set up a bunch of stuff and then we'd stay in this crappy old motel and drive to the next place and these little, you know, little things, whatever activities. And we had like two week long camps that we would hold at state parks or at state parks. And at these camps and during in the state parks, the councils had to do everything. We had to do kitchen duty. We had to do clean duty. We had to do everything. So like there was like when the week was over, you you wanted to die. You had been working so much, right? Wow. So I remember going to Camp Echo, and I'm thinking like, oh, I mean, you know, it's gonna be the same sort of thing. But I'm gonna be in New York. I have a day off a week. I get to go into the city. I get to meet these other people. I get paid better, you know, considering all this stuff. And I was pumped to see it. But I mean, on the way there, I, I guess I back up. I don't know if you remember 
Well, I brought my cousin. I got a tip. Right. Uh, Chuck gave me the job. And then I talked to my cousin who didn't have anything going on, Jesse, into it. And so he tagged along. And so we took the Greyhound out um, out east. And in the, the leg between Cleveland and Port Authority, our luggage was lost. So, which is crazy because I, I don't know how you can lose luggage on a bus because it's like right there, but whatever. So like I went there with two big bags, one for like, you know, clothes and one for like bedding stuff. Cause I, you know, my mom was crazy. Like you have to bring everything. Right. And so I get to Port Authority and I have the bag that has all my like bedding towels <laughs> and like, you know, whatever. I have no clothes. And I'm like, Oh man, this sucks. So I call and I spent my first couple of days calling like the, the bus line or the Greyhound or trying to figure out where my stuff is. Um, I tell Chuck, Chuck is a great guy. He's known me for like five minutes, essentially. I'm like, I don't have any clothes. Like I literally have like what I have on and like, you know, some underwear and this little spy hid. Like I don't have, it was lost. He's like, all right, well, he's like, here's, gives me a check. Like go shopping, find yourself some clothes and come back. And so Jesse and I get to go shopping and we've been there for like, you know, a day and a half. And he gives us hundreds of dollars to go like, you know, buy our stuff and we come back. I was like, all right, this guy's all right. You know, this, you know, this camp, camp's not, not too bad. And that's now we, we have our clothes. I wouldn't bought like nothing but like, you know, Nike shorts and t-shirts because I'm still thinking this camp was like my camps I worked at before. And then all of a sudden like nights off happened and like, all right, we're going out. And I was like, all right, cool. I was thinking like, we're going to go out and people will like, you know, do stuff like on the campgrounds. Cause I'm thinking like, you know, we're going to just, be in camp you know I, I had no idea going into it that people would go off campus and do what they did i was like shocked so like my first time going out, i think i had like a nike shorts on and like a t-shirt on because i had nothing else yeah and i'm like all right so this isn't is all what i thought was going to happen like and i was like it's pretty cool uh yeah it was, pretty, it was pretty bizarre like i it's just like a complete that first year to me was like wow um were you in varsity hall were you a counselor in varsity yes, hall? I, yes i was yes. i remember i got off so we took the bus into town and so i give chuck a hard time about this so when when people come into town from the city via like trains or whatever that there's limos and there's all kinds of people taking care of these girls i remember like when rachel remember the rachel girl from yeah. south florida the tall girl she came in late she came in a limo and chuck hooked her up we came in to, uh, what the hell's the town called? The big city, uh, M, uh, oh, Middletown. Middletown. Oh, yeah. And then we had to get from Middletown to is Burlington, right? Mm -hmm. And we had to take like these, the, the, just the most suspect sorts of ways of transportation. And we get dropped off at the gate to Camp Echo. We go to the gate and we're like, hey, you know, I'm Nick and this is Jesse, we're here. And I think maybe you were on gate duty or you were close or something. You might've been head OD or whatever. And you're like, hey, I'm rude. I'm just like, yeah, you are. <laughs> like, you had like, you had like the bandana on, and you were like, you know, the the, the tank top. I'm like, are right, yeah, yeah, you're rude. And I was like, I think, yeah, I'm I'm Nick Howard, this is Jesse, and and then you put us in our spots. I, I think Jesse went. He was in Ray's group. I was with your group, and then that's where it went. Clearly, I was yeah. actually room, roommates. I was roommates with Fish my first year. Fish, yes, like. Chuck was so disappointed when three guys from Wyoming roll in, not one of us had a cowboy hat or cowboy boots on wearing with us. That was not how we rolled at all. 
And so, yeah, well, I guess by the time you get there, you didn't really meet Rick. He was in part, it was just Ray and I from Wyoming. And yeah. so, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was like, we pull up in a truck, but it's got like a camper on the back, like a little soft shell. Yep. It's not like yep. crazy, like RV camera or anything like that. And so we rotated our, we'd sleep, like one person would sleep, one person yep. would be driving. And so it worked out well at three and but he was disappointed. But then we ended up like recruiting like Colorado, all these people to come out there and work like after that. And it was interesting because you brought up Jewish, same boat, didn't know a whole lot of Jewish people uh, here. Did, I don't even know if it was even part of the camp listing um, at all. For, for Echo, it, it wasn't actually, yeah. I don't think. It was in a big listing of other things. There was like Jewish, Jewish, Jewish. Yeah. And then for Echo, it, it wasn't part of it at all. And it was probably 99% of the kids were 95% Jewish. I knew like one that mm -hmm. my, I don't think wasn't. And the staff was like not. Like far from it. They used to hire a lot of former campers. But then it started being more people like us that came from further around. And we mm -hmm. were not Jewish at all. And I, I love the Jewish people. I end up living in New York. I celebrate a lot of holidays with them and everything. But it was definitely learning. And I didn't grow up in a religious household. So it was just learning like prayers at dinner and stuff like that were just interesting yeah. and stories. It took a good three years to explain what kosher meant. I asked it, I think, for oh. three years. And then all of them were like, man, you know, it's just kosher. And I'm like, no, you're not. Explaining I, I remember story. our first barbecue night. The first the yeah. Wednesdays was barbecue, right? Because the, the staff, the kitchen staff was off or whatever, and Chef was cooking burgers oh, yeah. or hot dogs or something. And I remember going up there with Jesse. I'm like, yeah, can I get a cheeseburger? I'm like, the, my kids, you know, Barcelona kids, I think it was Levith, Le Eric Levithal. Remember yeah. him? Oh, yes. And he, uh, he, he looked at me and was like, man, you can't have that. And I was like, what do you mean? I can't have a cheeseburger? He's like, oh. And they're looking at me like I'm an idiot. I'm like, I, I'd like to have a cheeseburger. Like, that's not kosher. I'm like, I'm like what the fuck is that? Like, I, I yeah. didn't even know. All I knew about kosher was pickles and hot dogs. That's all I knew. And yeah, I didn't oh, even know what that meant. Because it was just said kosher pickle or kosher hot dog for my, like, worldview at that yeah. point. But I just thought it was like a brand name or like a flavor or something. I had no idea on, on what that meant. And I was like, I remember sitting there for a long time. like, I can't have a cheeseburger. I'm like, no, man, it's not kosher. Like, all right, I need to like you know dive into something. I I had no idea. I was so uh, like ignorant. I had no idea. And there's a lot of times, like you know, like there's like the classic Jewish like stereotypes or or I don't know slurs or whatever you want to call them. But I didn't even know what they were. Like I had never even heard them before. I was so out of like yeah. the 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 world of even knowing what to say to. Not that I was gonna like say mean things to them, but like they would make fun of themselves. I remember Lemonfall would like make fun of himself, and he would say like a uh, he made a joke about picking up a penny or something. And I was like, I'm like, what? Like it was totally over my head. I, uh, yeah. I had I had I had no idea. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, he just stopped and looking at me like, man, like he was like shocked. He's like, yeah, you know, Lemonfall was was a pretty funny kid, and I was like, I just was not worldly enough to even understand the humor that he was trying to be self-deprecating about or tease himself about or whatever. I, I just, I literally had no idea. It was such a different world. I remember talking to Debbie about one time, Debbie Fisher. Yeah. It was like maybe second year or third year. And she's like, you know, whenever we have you guys from the West come, we're always worried because we're worried that you're going to come here thinking that we have horns or something. 
And I remember stopping and I'm like, I, I was like, horns? She's like, yeah, horns. And I was like, why would I think you have horns? And she's like, what do you mean, why? And I was like, again, not having any idea. I'm yeah. just this dumb kid who's like 19 or 20. I was like, I, I have, you need to like educate me about what I'm supposed to like have this thing about. I, I was so, yeah. so I, I had no idea. I ditto, same boat, wasn't, had no clue. I didn't know you were born Jewish. I thought it was just another religion. I never really thought like that was the whole deal. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I learned a lot. And living on Long Island, I definitely, I celebrated a lot of Jewish holidays and I still have a lot of Jewish friends today because of Camp Echo. And yeah. so it's funny because I'll say like, well, the Jews and people, are, I'm like, I'm not saying they need to die or anything. I just say Jews because they are Jewish. That's what, That's what they, they call are. themselves. It's okay. They call themselves Jews. Yeah, yeah. you can call them, them Jews. It's not bad. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. making a derogatory statement now if I follow it up, pick, pick it up with the penny thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're funny because they do make us the fun of themselves the most. At, at yeah. the same time, we'll do the thing that the stereotype that they make fun of themselves. It kills me sometimes because I've been out with a few, my, few of my Jewish friends for like meals and they're like, oh, they always say we're a bad tipper. And I'm like, yeah, come on. Let's get a little more money on the table. And they're like, oh, really? I'm they, like, they get a little oh. deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, don't, yeah. don't be that stereotype. And they're like, okay. But they, they, they take it with a grain of salt or whatever. But just because we had that conversation right to that. And so, but it was, Cam Meggle was just a great, because we met all, I mean, I met my ex wife there, who's British. Sally. Yeah, Sally. Oh, Sal. Yeah. And other Australians. Irish folk there. We had such an international staff. It was pretty cool to meet a lot of those people. And then to, like you talked about those nights off, um, were pretty interesting. I always would like you shower and then you'd have to shower two minutes later. Cause it was so hot and muggy. Oh, it was so hot. Yeah. But everybody was in the same boat. So we all stunk and we all went out, yep. rode on those buses. And uh, yeah, you had a summer birthday, don't you? Yeah, so I had my first year. I wasn't like cool enough to have like a a, a camp holiday birthday yet. Yeah, I was still this, this schmo from Minnesota that no one knew, and I was wearing like t-shirts every day. Um, but by the time my second year came along, camp had graduated to having my birthday on the fifth, and then Ray's birthday on the fifteenth. And yeah. it was kind of like you know, like birthdays back to back. That was like camp holidays. Yeah, but my first year, I was I I wasn't anywhere near cool enough to. So have that kind of weight. <laughs> you were a great yeah. counselor, though. Like uh, you were yeah, my we counselor, so I was like, "You're a great counselor for me." So I was. Uh, yeah. I never had to worry about that. We went to California, I, right? Yeah. Yeah, my first year with yeah. we went to Toronto, and then we went to California. I was so yeah. you, we we go to Toronto, right? We take the the bus up to Toronto. Oh, yeah. I've, never been, you know, I've, I've never been there before anywhere. Right? And it's, it's us and Fish and actually, no, I think Fish stayed back because Fish was supposed to go on Cal go to California or something. I think they all worked like uh, one of the yeah. teachers went to Toronto, one was going to go to California. So Fish stayed back as you, me, and Russell Altman, I think. Okay. And then and then someone else went to Toronto, and so we are up there. We have a good time, you know. Come back and Fish catches me off the bus and like, hey, I have to talk to you, and I was like, all right. So I get off the bus and fish like, yo, we had to fire Jesse. And I was like, what? You know, that was back before cell phones. You couldn't like tell everybody what yeah. was going on, you know? And I was like, what? 
And he's like, yeah. And so I find out that, that Jesse, oh, actually, Altman might have, no, the album was, was with us. So Jesse and Chris. Yeah. Remember Chris, uh, Eric's roommate from college, Jesse and like Chris they, thought they, that they could like go into the hall and do stuff when we weren't there. And they got caught and they both got, uh, you know, kicked out or whatever. And so that yeah. was my like, whoa, what's going on? And then after that, something happened where I ended up going to California with, oh, before that though, do you remember this? When you guys were talking, that was uh, stuff that happened prior, like it was like a week before the, the Toronto trip. It was Chris, me, and Jesse took Fish's uh, Forerunner into town to get supplies, and we had to pick up some McDonald's, and I was 21, barely, we picked up some supplies. And Chris, I guess he grew up in, what, Egypt or something, so he hadn't done a lot of driving. And so the, on the drive into town, you know how usually when someone's driving, you can kind of, like, keep things in a straight line. You don't, like, you feel like a lot of sway, but he's pretty new to the driving thing. And you kind of have a little bit of sway between the lines. And I didn't really think a whole lot of it at the time. I was like, oh, whatever. He's like talking. And, you know, sometimes when you're talking, you don't keep a straight line, right? Like, I'm talking like a straight line, you know? Yeah. So we, we go and we pick up our, our supplies and we come back. And you know how like, they have the, those goofy on-ramps? Like, you're driving on the side road and, like, the on-ramp isn't like a ramp. It's like a like a, a hairpin turn. Yeah, oh, yeah. And yeah. so we, we, we missed our turn on the main highway. I forget what it's called. And he cranks it, and we end up flipping the forerunner four times. Oh, I forgot. Remember that? No. Yeah. So that now was, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So so we totaled our Chris totals Fish's truck, and then again before cell phones. I, luckily, I think Jesse or uh, Chris or someone memorized had memorized the 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 phone in the office. But by the time we called, the office was closed. So we couldn't get a hold of anyone. And so all of a sudden, the three of us pull up because we were in the police station for a while. The police pull up and they're like, oh, man, someone's looking out for you guys. And we're like, what? Like, we just flipped over like a bunch of times. And like, we had put like the, the McDonald's in the back seat and McDonald's fries were strewn all over the house, <laughs> all over. But our booze was in the back of the truck and none of the bottles broke. So the cops were like, oh, man, someone's looking out for yeah. you guys. Like, none of, your, none of your booze broke. And we're like, you know, like, meanwhile, one of Chris's sandals ended up, like, 75 yards away from the car, somehow, you know, whatever. Yeah. Lucky as hell that we're, we're still here, you know, it's a crazy day. And we finally get there, and I remember walking down the hill, you know, from the gate, and I think Chuck's up there, and, you know, Debbie, and whatever, and it's like, yeah, where were you guys? Well, this is what happened. And they're like, oh, dang. I mean, it's, yeah, it was crazy. Wow. That was crazy. Thought- that, was like, that was, like, four or five days before we went to Toronto. And then after Toronto, I come back and then Jesse gets fired. And then after that, then a couple of weeks later, I get to go to California with you guys. And it's like, what a crazy. I mean, it was like, I joke all the time. A guy can make a, a pretty interesting movie out of like those, you know, 90 days, all the stuff that happened, you know, like just absolutely crazy. I had a screenwriting class in college and I wrote 30 pages in a movie and it was about a summer camp. I don't know if I, I can't, I wish I could find the screenplay. Um, I don't think yeah. I had any of the any of the hijinks that happened, but a lot of inspired stuff from working at the well, camp. There, Fish had a, a friend that he would, he called Handlebars. Yes, I remember. I remember her. Uh, uh, oh my! I, I like you said. Yeah. I wanted to go into like you know like bad. There's a lot like 
Oh my God! And now, if you, if five of us were to get together on the weekend and have a couple beverages and have someone take notes, we could have a movie that would make fifty million dollars, no problem. People oh, would yeah. go see that movie. Like they would be like, "Let's go see that movie." Um, I now it comes back to me. One uh, like Sublime, my Sublime CD was in the Forerunner. And yes, it was. And yes, it Fish was. Placed it later on. It made me laugh because I was like. I think I was like the second time I had my sublime that particular CD replaced because it, somebody else met, jacked it up. And then, um, no, I traded for it. That's what it was. I traded with Ray. I traded a uh, genuine. They had the song pony for the original sublime CD. And then it got broken in the forerunner and then fish got it back to me that. Yeah. Oh, Casually. what a crazy, crazy time, man. That I mean, that was just bizarre. <laughs> Ray's our first year. Ray rolled his truck on the night back from the bar. Like, um, I can't remember what happened in front of him. Somebody, I think, might have got an accident. He overcorrected and ended up on its side or something. It was crazy. I mean, yeah, truck accidents out there suck, but it was great to have a vehicle. I'll say, oh, that. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Speaking like the, the the assumptions that Debbie and Chuck would have, like you know, you're like, oh, they, you come in from you know, Wyoming, they're got like cowboy boots and hats and whatever. Yeah. So I I show up my second year, and now I I'm invited to fish, invites us out. I think I go to his house on the island with yeah. you and Ray, right? And we go to like a week before, and then we went to like a you know Yankees game, whatever, and we did like the pre-camp thing. And then I, were you there or not? I I forget if you were there that time. I'm pretty uh, sure you were, right? I know I did one pre-camp. I don't remember. For sure. But so it. for pre-camp, they, they're like, you go into town and get this big truck and drive it into town, drive it to camp. And I was like, what? At this point, again, I, all I'd ever driven was like a little car. Yeah. I'd never driven a truck before, but they just assume I'm this farm kid. Yeah. Like I'm like a, you know, driving combines or something around. And I was like, all right, I'll go get this truck. And they dropped me off and I got this great big truck and it's got this like, you know, clearance thing and so I'm driving through all these little like highway little things with these overhangs and I'm slowing down to a crawl checking to make sure like I'm not going to be like one of those yeah. holes that drives their truck and oh, yeah. the thing, you know oh I just I'm like oh I was so nervous you know they give you the responsibility you're just like I'd never you know I, my car in high school my dad paid $200 for it and you know he was a mechanic so he was able to like you know make yeah. it you know functional so I was like man this is crazy uh-huh yeah i yeah they definitely thought we were yeah sometimes more wyoming than we were but then they got to know us and we're like uh, and i showed up i had like long hair like down to like chin or so but it was in braids and like platinum blonde or something yeah i had it braided out to show up oh that was like like 96 yeah 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 you chopped it yeah, and so right when I got there, the kids saw it first year, and then I got a haircut like within the first week. It was so hot to keep it long, yeah. and so and now I'd grown out my hair here and there, and that kind of haircut, so it wasn't a big deal for me to like chop it all off. The kids were like, "Why'd you do it?" And I was like, "It's hard to maintain. This is so much easier. Like shorter hair was definitely out there." So yeah. <clears throat> now you're working at summer camp. You're still going to college. Um, when you graduate college, how many years did it take? How many years did it take me to graduate college? Uh, five, five years. 
That was sick. Uh, I did, I did, uh, yeah, I did like, I started out actually as a psychology major. Oh, wow. And so I did that for like three, four, because uh, at the time I went to school, my school was a, a trimester, as they called it, right? Trimesters back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, so I had to do like, I did two thirds of my year as this major and I didn't do a lot of generals. I was like, I want to get right into it. And then, so I did that and some generals and then I went back the next year and I switched because I had my one education class. I was like, oh no, this is what I want to be in. So I basically wasted a year um, with psychology. So, I mean, I could probably, if I was to put the paperwork in or do the thing, I'd be like one or two credits shy of being like a psych minor or something. You oh, know? Okay. Uh, but yeah, so it took me five years. Five. You said six? Yeah, my parents said they'll pay for five. And I was in year five and went, uh, I probably need, I could have done it in probably five and a half, but I spread it out because I had to pay for myself. And yeah. I honestly, too, at the time was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do when I'm done. Like, it's it's hard. And I was like, I'm not going here was lots of people went to Denver. That was our biggest yeah. city. And I was like, no, I hate all the sports team there. So I was like, there's no way I could make them. <laughs> oh, like, no torture. It's dumb. And then I have a degree in broadcasting. So TV stations, I'm not working in Wyoming. I'm 10 times better than the, their professionals at their station at the time. And I was, and I remember when I graduated, they're like work for us. And I was like, no, not a chance. And yeah, well, then I was meeting Sally at the time. So New York was like, well, that's, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Oh, and that's why my second year did. No, We're, I think you might have been living in New York. Yeah, probably. That's what it was. I yeah. came out. I stayed with Fisher. I think maybe you picked me up from the airport. I remember staying in like your apartment above, above it was yeah. like a, a second level, right? Yeah. I think I think you might have picked me up, or I might have went to your house first, and Definitely. then we went from your house to Fish's house. That's what it was. Yeah, because and then that that year prior, you guys you guys got married in Vegas. Yeah. It it was like uh, what time of year was it? I forget what it was. It was during my school year or something. In Vegas. Right after August. Yeah. Like right. August. It, it was right August. after right after mm -hmm. camp, and I wasn't able to go, and so that sucked. But yeah, then the following year when I went out to pre-camp, I went. Okay. Your house. I remember that. going to stay at, at Eric's house. And yeah, crazy. I worked at camp that summer. I worked at one summer while I actually lived in New York. Um, the f extra summer. And Sally and I were married. And she would come up on weekends. Yeah. Stay in Varsity Hall. That was crazy. I'd have to like shut down the bathrooms, one bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. And then by then, the yep. kids were sucked. They weren't that. Oh, that bad. year. That was the year that. Oh, yeah. That, going back now. That, that year, I wasn't actually even in the hall. I no, got, you were a division leader or something, right? I was division leader. I took uh, Eric uh, Doctor. Eric. Farron? Farron. I took Farron's job. Okay. Farron was now doing doctor and stuff. He, he was above us. He was out getting educated. Oh, so yeah. Farron left because he had to go to, to, you know, something to do with med school or some, I don't know, whatever. Maybe he was done. I forget. But he was off doing doctor and stuff. And so the uh, Jay or Chuck called me and asked me if I wanted to be a division leader. I was like, oh, I mean, I guess. I wasn't real excited to go be the division, division leader for the, the, the young kids. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how that worked. Yeah. yeah. We would honestly say stuff like, we got to rescue Nick. Like, we got to go get Nick. <laughs> oh, man, it sucked. The, the, the only good thing about the whole thing was uh, Mike from, from uh, Australia was, was in my division. He was, he was pretty fun. 
Otherwise, and, I was like, man. Oh. But then when your kids were done, like at nine, like you're. Oh, you're yeah. Good. Yeah. As a divisionary, it was sweet because, yeah, because we could, you know, divisionary, like, like you and Ray said, like, you're above the law. Yeah. Once, that, once the division shut down, you could let go out and do whatever the heck you want. So I remember we'd go out and have those, what was, what was the diner we'd go to? The quick way? The quick way. We'd hit the quick way up okay. all the time. Or, like, you know, staying out late and do whatever. Yeah, that, yeah, I mean, nighttime was great. Daytime was like, oh, for the love of God, I just don't care. No, like, yeah. you know, like go do this and uh nah, like, I was lucky, like, you know, Mike I just I deputized Mike early on and I'd love it. Mike take care of this. Like, all right. Oh, by the way, do you remember whatever happened to the Farron stick? No. I was wondering okay. I meant to ask you that one time. Remember the Farron stick, right? Because we'd we'd have like uh what was it called when everyone had like free play and we'd get them around like in the in the, the field and we'd you'd take the Farron stick and you'd like spin it. And like you're gonna go to boating, and you know, oh yeah, and you're gonna go to wherever. Like yeah, Farron had a had a legacy there. That that stick we kept it up at, in okay. the uh, what the hell was the the, the shed called? The HC man. Yeah, HC. There you go. Yeah. Oh, I see the pictures of oh. camp today, and it's so different. It's owned by the uh, Coleman's. I mean, they've done so much. I barely yeah. recognize it, but it's. I haven't yeah, I've talked to guys in a while. I used to talk to Jaffe all the time and see him all the time, but he's married, had a kid just recently, tried to get him oh, on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. And so, but every time I know if he's listened, every time I talk to him, he's our text with him. He's like, when are you coming to New York? Like that is his end of conversation. Conversate. Like when are you come back? I've been back since 2009. It was rough. Like when I, was landing like I felt a lot I left not on good terms left on a divorce and so it was a lot of weird anxiety and so I was oh, like yeah, okay, I I'm, gonna do, I'm gonna do everything different um because Jaffe was living in uh Brooklyn at the time so I'm gonna go see him there I'm gonna stay there I'm not gonna be on Long Island much but then we went and saw his parents who I knew and I was around the old neighborhood and that was a trip three like that was six years later and so yeah i want to go back i want to take uh my girlfriend to definitely do all the Times square stuff and all that touristy things you, you guys have been together for a while haven't you yeah eight years we've known each other about nine so so you've been yeah. with her for eight years and she hasn't gotten you to take her to the east coast yet i try to all the time she owns a she's a owns a funeral home and oh um but recently bought it but like very busy, busy. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so i mean yeah new york is on our places to go all right and all do right. the new york thing and i yeah i was like i want to see all my friends out there still um it's i'm i mean miss them miss that and maybe get jaffe would get off my back without not being out there as much because he's made it to colorado and i've just missed him a few times and yeah. things didn't work out um do you remain in contact with anybody from echo days besides probably myself like fish you, you and Ray, I talk to Fish every now and again. Um, sometimes I talk, I send messages to Chuck every now and again. Um, I actually had a uh, Thanksgiving dinner at the Fish Residence down in Florida. Oh wow! Um, one time, it's funny to listen uh, to, to listen to, to Chuck and Fish talk politics. I know. Like they they would get into it, man. I was like, whoa, you know, I was still just a young, stupid kid. Uh, yeah, because they'd always go down there in the in the winter, right? Um, yeah. 
Uh, fair and for a little bit. Actually, I forgot to say, like when I when I graduated and I took my teaching job down in Florida, I actually drove down, stayed in Atlanta, stayed in, in Fort uh, uh, FSU with Rachel for a night, and then went down to Fort Lauderdale. And for like five days or four days, I stayed at Farron's house, uh, at his little uh, his apartment, or whatever. Before I got my apartment and then started teaching on it. So yeah, I, I talked to Farron a little bit. Um, but it, since this, I mean, in the last 10 years, I probably haven't talked to you, Fish, Ray, some, you know, conversations or likes or posts or something on Facebook or something, but not like anything face-to-face or two-way, you know? Yeah. But so, wow, that's, you led me right into it. Getting your job in Florida. Oh, my gosh. All right, little small town, Minnesota kid. Now, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. What was that like? Man. So <laughs> uh, Camp Echo was like, so I don't know how to even explain it. Like my roommates in college even like made a point of like commenting on me. Like when I was Nick Haugen before Camp Echo, I acted one way. And then when I was Nick Haugen after my first year at Camp Echo, I acted a different way. I'm like, oh, like I was, I mean, it's not like a chauvinist or an asshole, but like I was a lot more um, social in like a lot of good ways. Also, maybe some bad ways, you know. Uh, but yeah, we had a lot more people around the place. Uh, I was a lot more friendly with a lot more ladies than I was before I went to camp. Um, a little more worldly. And after, yeah, worldly. I had some more stories. Yeah, wor- I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I think that, that matters, right? You know. And yeah. after my second year, like I came back and I was like, you know, like you almost feel like you're too big or too. Like, this is, like, too beneath you, kind of, if that makes sense. You know, it's like, why, why, you know, so I was, like, thinking about leaving there, like, pretty quick after after I came back my second year. Um, yeah, so then I, I started looking at places. Like, Ray and I were actually kind of, like, uh, cross-referencing places because I had Vegas and I had South Florida on my list of places that I was going to go move to. And, you know, funny how it works, but I graduated before Ray did. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was like, you know, where are you going to go? And he's like, I don't really know. And blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right, well, I think I'm going to go South Florida because like, you know, I, at least I know I have like a place for a couple people I know down there and whatever, whereas Vegas, I, I didn't know anyone. Right. And so I went down there and I was there for, I think maybe a year or two years. My second year, I think Ray came, Ray, was he in Vegas then? Or would he, did he come from Wyoming? I forget. But Ray came out uh, to South Florida for like a, five days or something and that just so happened to coincide with my cousin jesse getting married down there oh yeah and so it was like the most awkward drive from fort lauderdale up to like uh near the daytona beach area which is about a three and a half hour drive so it was me and it was jesse i mean it was me it was ray and then rachel came along even though we weren't together she's wanted to come along so the three of us drive up there and we go to my cousin's wedding and they were all bombed and just, let's just put it this way. If, if Rachel didn't show up, and Rachel didn't even know these people that well. She knew me, she knew Ray, she knew Jesse, like, just a little tiny bit, never actually met him in person. Uh, if we didn't show up that way, it wouldn't have happened. Like, Rachel straight up was, like, like the, the maid of honor person that got the, the, got 
got hurt like already, right? And it was like wow. it was bizarre. It was the most weird thing ever. Uh, I mean, Rachel and I dated and whatnot, but at that point we weren't dating. And then after that, then we went down, and Ray and I uh, had our you know, geography lessons around South Florida based upon strip clubs and, and hooters. Uh, so you know, this is fine because I mean, I joke like when I moved it, I moved so. I have my interview to go to South Florida. I get interviewed by this lady, Kim uh, Flynn, nice lady, great lady. She interviews me. I mean, people down there were getting hired to be teachers like over the phone like crazy because they just they had so many teachers they had to hire. And so she asked me five questions. And the last question she asked me was, are you a Miami Dolphins fan? And I said, no. And then after, then she gave me a bonus question. It's like, well, can I convince you to be a Dolphins fan? And I said, no. And they said, all right, I appreciate your honesty. You're hired. And so literally the three questions before that like didn't really even matter, you know, like, so, so I go down there, I, I get, the, I get the job. I drive down there 14 days later and I, I'm going to start teaching middle school, uh, seventh and eighth grade history. And for me, like, like I remember going through Atlanta and stopping at a gas station and like, so I've not really ever been around anyone, but like regular white people my whole life, you know, even college, hometown, whatever, there is no diversity where I live at all. Yeah. And so I had to get gas and I pulled to this rest this station or whatever and you know, somewhere in Atlanta, I'm not real familiar, but it was like me and it was like all black people. I was like, whoa, like what's going on? Like I had never experienced that before. It was like the most fish out of water thing I'd ever seen. And you know, it's like this is just bizarre to me because I've never been you know, like I've been the East Coast, but the East Coast was still like, you know, basically, you know, just all white folks that I hung out with, right? And then I moved down, I keep going, I get my, my first teaching job. I walk in my classroom, I got 45 kids, I got 30 desks, I got, basically it was like a third white, a third Hispanic, and a third black. Uh -huh. I'm looking at these kids, and like, this is like the most like diverse thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm just like, all right, well, let's, let's go. Like, it was like, just crazy. And so the guy next door to me was teaching math, he was like a teammate of mine. I taught history and social studies, he taught math. And he was going through like a pretty bad divorce. He was about eight, nine years older than me. And he was a lot more worldly. He was a, a, a upstate New York guy. I was like, you know, he was a Syracuse, New York fan. I was like, all right, I can get along with this guy. And so we hung on a lot. And so he and I would hang on a lot. So my school, we started really early. I was 645. I had to be there every day in the morning. But then um, I was out of school at 210 every afternoon, unless I had like a some sort of meeting or something, but generally speaking, I could be, I could be at the beach well before 3 p 3 p.m. Like you know, imagine that during like the spring break times or whatnot. Like it made for some long days of wasting some someone's paycheck. So let's just put it that way. Like it was like, oh man. So my first year, I made more money than I ever made in my life, right? And I looked at my bank I had nothing to show for. I was like, man, I just just spent it on everything that was in South Florida. And it was just bizarre, like, because it it's like a whole different world, man, like compared to camp or even where I'm from. And it, it really was, you know, like, I imagine you know, very similar to Vegas in the sense where you're like, oh, where'd my money go? Poop, you know? Uh, uh, yeah. So how long do you teach there for? I was there for 10 years. Wow. Which is crazy because I went there thinking it would be like a couple of years. I'll be there for a couple of years and I'll go back, you know? It's like, oh, yeah. time flies. And I didn't leave there. I didn't leave there. So I taught there for 10 years. Um, year number eight was when I met my future wife. Um, 
she was down there. So prior to, to meeting me, my wife is Indian, like traditional Indian. Her parents are, my, my wife was born in India and she was the first generation, one of the first generations in her family to move to America. Her parents are both doctors, very traditional Indian stereotypes, like mom, dad, doctors. Uh, they were working in Nigeria when she was growing up. That was like the hotbed for doctors to go to and, you know, make money. She was raised by her grandparents and aunts and uncles. Then when she got to be in middle school, she, you know, went to the States in, in North Carolina, raised by her aunt and uncle her, while her parents were still uh, over overseas. Then when in high school, uh, no, when she went to college, she got accepted to UNC, North Carolina. She was there for her first year. Um, her parents at that point came to the States permanently. They moved to Detroit, or the Detroit suburbs, we'll say. Um, so she's at UNC. She has her first year. She gets a B, one B. Her oh. parents find out, and they're like, no, you're coming, to, you're coming back to Michigan. That, that's un, unheard of. You can't have a B. Like, literally, she got one B. So they make her unenroll from UNC, and then she goes to Michigan. And since it was late in the year, she could only get, she couldn't get into Michigan, so she went to Michigan State, and so she graduates to Michigan State. Uh, gets into an argument with her mom about like what kind of doctor she wants to be. Her mom wants her to be like a podiatrist or something like you know, a family kind of doctor where you can like be home every night, and she wanted to be a heart doctor like her aunt, like her her grandpa. Her grandpa's like a, a back in India is like a like a famous like cardiologist and so she wanted to be a cardiologist and she's like no that's not a woman's job or whatever and she's like fine i won't be a doctor anymore so she quits med like pre-med she goes into hospitality oh uh so now uh, michigan state has a pretty hospitality program so anyway, that that leads her she's just working for uh like big time restaurants so when i met her she had been a um a high up in the bubblegum food bubblegum uh, shrimp company Nice. She had opened up restaurants all over the world, like, you know, Hawaii, she opened a restaurant up, uh, Japan, she opened a restaurant up, she opened a restaurant up that was in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and then, again, another traditional thing was she had an arranged marriage, so she married this guy, she, didn't, she ends up being like, I don't want to be with this guy, this isn't going to work, I, I need to divorce him, and so she divorces him, and she leaves, and she goes to live with some friends in South Florida, and that's when I meet her, I meet her after she divorced her, her, her husband. And she's like, kind of like, what am I doing with my life? So I meet her and then she's, she takes a job at this place in Florida called uh, Duffy. She ends up being like a general manager for this big sports bar chain. And so my friends love my wife, Smith. They, they, they were so sad to see us leave because like on Saturdays, we would go into the Duffy sports chain, sports bar chain. And I would, every month I had this little card and the card was charged, it was like, it would recharge every month with $500. And so every month I had the pre $500 I could spend it at the bar. Nice. So we'd go there, we'd make it into like a two weekend sort of thing. We'd split up and go there like a college Saturday or like a pro Sunday or whatever. And we'd just go there and we'd just drink our faces off and just not have a bill. They loved her. They probably loved her more than, maybe even as much as I loved her, I don't even know. Uh, and then she got sick of it. And so she decided to quit and she, takes uh she is gonna go she gets sent to a, a business school up in boston and so she's going up to boston to get her mba and so she leaves and then she had lived with me for one year before she left so she goes up to boston i'm now by myself 
and we're talking and I'm going up to Boston probably like, you know, twice a month or something, you know, like luckily a spirit in the East coast was a pretty cheap yeah. flight. We'd go up there. So I spent a lot of my time in Boston. So she graduates from Boston and when she graduates, I'm up there, I spend the summer up in Boston. And when her graduation comes, she's like, ah, you should probably go back. And I'm like, well, you're graduating next weekend. And she's like, ah, my parents, they're yeah, not real, you know, cause you know, so I ended up leaving. I'm not even at her graduation because her, her yeah. parents aren't cool to see me. Cause I, you know, again, Indian and I'm white. Yep. And I'm kind of like, all right. So that happens. I'm taking over here. I don't know if you have anything no. else. I'm, I could jump into. Keep talking. So, so this takes us. Uh, my last year teaching in um, Fort Lauderdale. We get I get a new principal, and she's kind of a ball buster, and people don't really like her very much, and she's anti-union, and she's just uh, she's crazy. And so it's like a perfect storm because I'm like I'm the union head of my school, and I know that I'm I'm leaving soon. So I'm not really worried about like burning bridges or dropping bombs or whatever. And so I'm, I'm pretty tight with the custodian union head of our, in our school. And he's like, man, this lady's making this work and she's not paying her overtime. And I'm like, what? So I, I like pen an anonymous letter to the staff. And I posted to the whole staff about how our new principal is essentially making people work and not paying overtime. And so she goes and has our tech person. He turned into a complete scab and he, uh, infiltrates my email finds out that I'm the one who like sent it via like a proxy or whatever. And she brings me in and she like accuses me of these things. And I'm like, I'm sorry. So anyway, this whole, this whole drama was happening in my job. Right. And it's, it's funny because at the time I know I'm like, I'm basically like one foot out the door. Right. Like, you know, I'm like, I don't really care, you know, whatever. This is all happening. I'm having these meetings with people I work with and all I'm the union head. And I'm like, you know, I'll take the bullets. Don't worry about you guys. If you got anything to tell me, I'll take it to her because she's crazy and whatever. And so, and things go faster than I think. So I sell my house. I move up to, um, now she's graduated, all right? She graduates from, from her school in Boston. She takes a job working for a corporate target in upstate New York near uh, Saratoga Springs, which is really close to Albany. Okay. Uh, Saratoga Springs, if you've been there, it's really nice, you know, racetrack and, mm -hmm. you know, old school money up there. And so I'm like, I'm up there over, the, over uh, Christmas break and I'm like, you know what, screw this. Like, I have everything lined up. All I have to do is call a buddy to put my house in the market or to rent it. I just, I put in my, I, re, I just resign. I, I resign over, over Christmas. I'm, I just stay up there. Cause I basically packed like I think I was going to do it, but you know how you are like she's only my girlfriend at that time. So I was still giving myself an out in case things went bad. Right. But you don't want to like commit too much. Cause yeah, like, yeah. You know, who the hell knows, you know? So I was like trying to like be smart about it. So anyway, now we're, we live in Saratoga Springs, New York. Uh, we get married the year at the, 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 the summer after that. Um, and then from Saratoga Springs, that takes us to Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, Western Michigan, uh, go, go Mustang, PJ Fleck. I was a PJ Fleck slash Corey Davis fan before the University of Minnesota even knew who he was because uh, Corey Davis and PJ Fleck were, were tearing up Kalamazoo. Uh, and then you know, obviously PJ Fleck ends up going to Minnesota, which is pretty cool. Um, so we're there for three years we have our we're, we're married before we get there we get there we have our son like right away afterwards and then from there she takes a job working for apple and apple is we have to be near detroit the metro area so then we move up to the metro area of detroit and that's, that's how we're here now wow wow yeah, crazy so she works crazy. for apple currently she worked yeah currently works right now she's literally oh my god it's crazy 
she's working on a project where she is redesigned the entire like I don't know if you saw, but you know, Tim Cook when all this Black Lives Matter stuff was happening, he had like a post where he said Apple has to do better on like diversity and this, this, oh, and yeah. this. So his mandate for that, like she's literally spearheading that right now with three other people. Which oh. is pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. It's and crazy. you're you're teaching up there as well? I, I teach I, I last year I taught um in the Detroit public schools. And then now this year I'm teaching in the suburb of, of Detroit. So prior to that, when when my son was born, I was a stay-at-home dad until he was in kindergarten. Oh, fun. So, you know, first, second, third, fourth with him. Um, and then when you went to kindergarten, that was my first year going back to teaching. Cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, it was It was good. I mean, because the thing about especially in, in when we lived in Kalamazoo, especially the teachers around that area, I would have been making just enough money teaching to pay for him to go to daycare. <laughs> Essentially, you know what I mean? It's like yeah, if yeah. you figure out, you know, when you when you balance your checkbook, it's like, well, I just worked all day to pay for someone else to do what I could do, right? You know, I'm like, I might as well just, you know, stay home and do it, right? Yeah, and you get some good, you know, quality time with them as a kid, as a tight growing up. Some yeah. sometimes that dads don't normally get. So that oh that's yeah, cool. It's pretty yeah. cool right there. I mean, you could see it, and we, we talked off camera for a little bit. Your son and I, you can see your relationship and everything. They guys are really close. Um, so uh, I already asked the question of how we met. That's usually my final question. We met at Camp Echo. Uh, and so I'm we just- We met gonna... at the gate. Literally, you're the first person I met at the gate. And you're like, I'm like, I, I literally remember this. I'm Nick. Hi, I'm Nick. Nice to meet you. You're like, uh, I'm rude. And I was like, yeah, you are. <laughs> and it's Literally, you're, yeah. The bandana, bandana, the, did you have the, the big, uh, it's from a wrestler, right? Who's the wrestler that had that? Goldberg that has it. Goldberg, yeah. It with the Goldberg. And I, and then oh. I have rude that, those okay. Like, and then I you had like the, the cutoff t-shirt sure. and I was like, all right. Yeah. All right. I, you know. Yeah. Well, cause I normally, if I'm like, hi, I'm Justin. Yeah. Everyone in the room will be like, hey, Rude. And you'll be like, who's Rude? And I'll be like, that's me. And they're yeah. like, yeah. Right, and I have to explain it. So it made it a lot easier that way. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm I just, I just dive like, right in. Right. The rest of these jabronis are going to call me Rude. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember, like, I had tattoos when they were kind of coming into fashion when I first got them. I knew I wanted to get the Rude tattoo for a long time. And it was weird because I got it, and then the whole basketball team at the University of Wyoming got theirs. Same English letters, same stuff, and I was like, I did not copy them. I swear to you, I did not copy. I was first. And then um, I got this one. I was originally going to be barbed wire, and then I saw Pam Anderson had it, and I was like, I got to do something better. <laughs> and so I got this one. I haven't got any tax since. I wanted to fill up more, but I found other things to spend money on besides getting tattoos, but kids would drag me around Camp Echo during when their parents would come and visit and be mm. like, this is rude. The counselor I was telling about, he has tattoos and they just lift up my sleeves. And I'd be like, hi, kids, parents that I don't even barely know the kid because you're not my division. Yeah. Like, nice to meet you. And they're like, oh yeah. And then kids would come up to me and go, you can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. And I'd be like, yeah. I'm not Jewish. So that's that probably a good thing that you probably wouldn't yeah. want one of your cemeteries. And they were like, Oh yeah. Man. I always figured that was like 
Rudeberg was your last name. So everybody called you Rude. And I was like, it's Flasper. <laughs> it's, it's very Norwegian what it is right there. Yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, it was it definitely, I set a presence in the day uh, with saying I'm rude and because people like, always expect you rude. Our one of my camper, Dan, Danny Nelson would say it. He'd call me rude trucker. Cause I had a cut off. Yeah. Cut off sleeveless, like uh, flannel that I wore sometimes. And he'd be like, you look like a truck driver. You're a rude trucker. So I, and his New York accent would just nail the, how he, what he'd call me. But I'm gonna wrap it up. We talked for a, a good chunk of time. I want to yeah, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It was fun. I I look forward to yeah. If you ever want to do uh, you said text uh, camp echo reunion or something. Let me know. It'd be fun. I'm I telling you, five of us could put together a screenplay in about three hours. That would make a lot of money. And we'd obviously have to put a lot of uh, disclaimers in there. Or change <laughs> names. Change, change names. names. Like yeah, oh my god. Put the story yeah. in the intro. Yeah. Oh yeah. That yeah. makes me. I'm in this. Crazy. Crazy stuff, man. Folks, I'm still waiting on Milo Carlisle, drumbeat. He's a drummer, and he's the son of Ray Carlisle, who I interviewed last podcast. And I might have to give his father a nudge to get that drumbeat. But until then, that bass line is pretty kick-ass. Just heads up, folks. All these interviews are being done via video conferencing, via Zoom. And sometimes kids come in the mix. I try to edit out everything, but I think I may have missed one time where Nick's son came in and got his distraction and got him to walk away for a second. I think I paused it. Then you heard me say, hold up, I paused. And then we had the recording going again. But hey, that's what happens when we do interviews from Laramie to Michigan. And sometimes the technology, sometimes life uh, gets in a little of the way of the interview. But I thought it was a great, great interview. Now, one of Nick's visits to my place when I lived in Long Island, we were walking to the bar. I think this was after camp. And we were walking to the bar area in Huntington Station. And Nick, he was talking lots of shit on me. This is what I remember. And I noticed a low fence on the sidewalk just ahead as we approached it. So I turned and I pushed him over it. Now it was low enough to take him out at the legs and he fell right in the yard when, well, I can't remember what he was talking about. And I think his cousin Matt was there as well. So that makes me think that was like the first summer that I hadn't worked at that summer camp in like five, six years. Uh, I was just working in Long Island and I would go and visit my friends at Camp Echo in upstate and Middletown. And uh, they came to visit before they all went back home. So it was pretty cool. Nick, I'm really liking the idea of writing a screenplay. Us five of us sitting down and just hashing out some stories. Yes, of course, we would change the names and we would change uh, maybe the name of the camp and everything. But we'll work on this. It's a great idea. On to the next podcast.